Good morning, everybody. Um, Jermaine here with you. Uh, this is a, a new format for, for me and for other people who are, uh, everyone else who's put in a similar position, um, but it's it's good to be able to open up God's Word this morning with you. You know, in the midst of COVID and everything that's happening, it's so important to come back to the essentials. It's so important to reroute ourselves in the Word of God. Psalm 109 verse 105 says that His Word is a lamp unto our feet. And so I pray that today He would be able to enlighten us and guide us in the way that we should go. Um, last week, Mike taught on the amazing doctrine of justification. And today, we're going to be unpacking the doctrine of sanctification. Sanctification is one of those words that we don't really use anymore. Um, we kind of talk about it sometimes, but in reality, it's actually something that is extremely pressing for us. I love uh, how John Piper puts it. He says that sanctification is a very irrelevant word, uh, but it's not an irrelevant reality. It's like technical medical terms. Nobody but doctors use them, but our lives depend on the reality they stand for. And so today, I hope that we get to unpack not just an amazing concept, not just this idea, but this amazing reality that God's people, um, that we find ourselves in. This is where we are in our relationship with Jesus. And so uh, I pray that today would be uh, helpful for us. It's been helpful for me as I've looked at the, the text. Uh, today we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. And uh, I'm going to put it up on the screen. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Uh, we're going to talk about three things. The first thing is that our sanctification is rooted in our justification. So this is showing how this message is connected to last week's message. The second thing is that sanctification is by God and for God. By God and for God. And the third thing is that sanctification requires our participation and our cooperation. So excited to unpack those things. I'm going to say a really short prayer and then we'll start. Father God, we thank you for your word. Um, sanctify us in your truth. We pray today in your name. Amen. Sanctification comes from two words that we put together. The first word is sanctus, which means holy. And the second word means ficari, which means to make. So if we put those two words together, we see that sanctification is God's work of making us holy. I like the way that the Westminster Shorter Catechism defines it. It says, Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God, and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. The process of sanctification is started by our justification in Christ. Uh, Paul tells the church in Philippi uh, one thing. He tells them to work out their salvation. And so if he's telling them to work out their, their salvation, it means that it's something that they already have. Paul was writing to a church um, that had already been established, and he was writing this letter to Christians. And so he reminds them that this salvation that they've received is something that they have to work out. Not work to get, but to work out. And so when we are made right with God, which is how we defined justification last week, when we are made right with God through believing in Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, God puts us onto a path to be transformed into the image of Jesus. And so our justification 
is the first step. And once we are on that path, then he puts us on a road of sanctification whereby he changes us and renews us and transforms us. You know, justification, I know for a lot of people, seems like a really abstract thing. It's something that happened in the past. It is rooted in the historical work of Jesus. And it's something that we have to read about in the scriptures, and it's something that happened before we were even alive. But sanctification, sanctification is different because it is our present reality, right? It represents that daily grind. It represents that daily struggle, that tangible process that we find ourselves in. And so that process was started by justification, and it's where we live now. So that's the first big point. Justification, sanctification are directly related. Justification starts our sanctification. And I believe there's a quote that says that uh, sanctification is the process by which we become used to our justification. It's kind of like uh, clothes that we put on and we put them on and then we grow into them. We are growing into or we are, we are coming to accept the justification that we've been given. We have been made right with God and now we have to live in right relationship with God. So that's the first major point that I want us to take away. The second one is that sanctification is by God and for God. And so we see that in verse 13. It says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so I think there's three things that we can see here. Uh, his role, his methods, and his reason. The first one is his role. First, we see in the scriptures that it is God who executes the transformation, that process. It's him. He's the one who empowers that process. And throughout the scriptures, we are reminded over and over that it is God who does the work of saving us and keeping us in him. He's the one who keeps us there. And I think about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 to 24. And it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love this part here. It says, He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. He will surely do it. We are reminded that it is the God of peace who will bring our transformation to completion. It is the God of peace who keeps us blameless. He keeps us blameless for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. His work of sanctification in our lives is rooted in his character. We have to see that that his ability to, uh, to complete that transformation process in our lives is not just something that's outside of him. It is so deeply ingrained in who he is. We can be sure of our growth because he is faithful and because he will surely do it. He has never failed. He is always successful. Anything he puts his hands to, he does it and he does it effectively. And we worship him for that reason because if it was completely in our hands, if we were the ones who uh, were Jesus saved us, he justifies us and makes us right with God, then he goes, all right, now go and try your best. If that was what happened to me, I would have lost my salvation in like three minutes because it's just, if not for him keeping us, I don't know where we would be. Uh, I think about Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 and he says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Our salvation is in his hands. Our sanctification is, is in his hands. It is he who works in our hearts. So that's his role in our sanctification. 
The second thing we can look at are his methods. And this is not an exhaustive list of, of his methods. He is an omniscient and all-powerful God. He uses so many different things in this world and in this life to bring us to worship, to bring us to change. But I think there are three things that we need to really focus on, especially in this hard season. The first one is found in John chapter 17, verse 17. And th this is just a really plain and really simple verse. And it says, Sancti sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And so the first tool that we see in God's sanctification and over our lives is his word. God uses his holy word to change us. He uses his word to change our hearts, to change our minds, to change our habits. We go to his word and his word has the ability to, to mold us into the picture that he wants us. He's able to, to transform us and change us through his word. So I, I would say in this season, uh, we have all the time in the world in a lot of cases, not everybody, but a lot of us have a little bit extra time and a little bit more headway to be able to get into the word. So as we submit to his sanctification today, um, my hope for us is that we would double down on, on our reading, not uh, because we think it'll make God love us more, but because we want to know him more, right? We, we want to know him more and we know that it is his word that has the ability to change us. And we read it and it goes into our, our hearts, it goes into our minds and it changes how we live. So that's the first thing. The second thing is through trials. And we see in 1 Peter chapter 6, sorry, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, he says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what this passage shows us is that Another way he sanctifies us is through trials. God sovereignly uses trials in our lives to refine us so that we can persevere to the end. And God alone knows exactly what we need. But not only does he know what we need, but he is also sovereign and is able to make it happen in our lives so that we actually can be sanctified. He doesn't just sit there wishing uh, that we could transform. He actually has the ability to do so as well. So as we think about this season, we, are, we, we should really ask ourselves, uh, what, how might he be challenging uh, our preconceived notions? How, how might he be challenging our habits, uh, challenging our hearts? Um, is he using this season of a pandemic to, to challenge us? Is he using this season of a pandemic to, to refine us? to make us more genuine in our faith. I, I definitely would say yes to all of those things because so many of us have lost what seemed like at first little things but have turned out to be bigger things, bigger than we ever thought. Human connection and relationships. Um, for some of us, it's the ability to work and make a living. For some of us, it's the ability to, to just be out and to, and to come and go as we please. God has, for a season, brought us to a place where we don't have those things. And while it may sound harsh to say that he's doing this to, to get our attention, we at least have to see that it is God's will that we be sanctified. That's what the scriptures tell us, that it's his will that we be sanctified. And so if that's true 
that was true before COVID, then it's definitely true during COVID and it will be true after COVID. It is his will that we be sanctified. And so let's use this time in this season, in this trial, in this time of, of challenge and hardship to really consider how God may be working in our hearts. He's using this time to sanctify us. And the third one is through one another. And so he has not called us out of our darkness and into light just to be by ourselves. We, we've talked about this so many times in our gatherings. He has saved us to be together. He has set us aside to be together. It wasn't just as individuals, but he has corporately set us aside. Every individual who is in our family is here for a reason. And so he uses one another. He uses us to help one another to grow. It says, if I go back up to the definition of, of what sanctification is, it says it's the work of God's free grace. You guys are God's grace to me as you're helping me grow. Um, it says that uh, whereby we are renewed in the whole image after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin. You guys help me to die unto my sins. Uh, I hope that I, I've been able to help you as well. I've hoped that, that and now I hope, I know for a fact that you have helped one another to die unto sin and to live unto righteousness. Those are all things that I know that God has given to all of us. And so that is a really important thing to take away from this. Sanctification is something that he accomplishes through his people. So in this season, we need to, even though we are apart physically, we need to double down even more and be in relationship with one another, connecting, supporting one another, and helping each other to grow, reminding us of the truth, pushing us to grow. Let's, let's push each other to, to grow in this season, okay? So that's, that's how he does it. And the last question is why? Why does he sanctify us? While we are the beneficiaries of becoming like Jesus, we, we definitely receive the benefits of that. The reason he sanctifies us in verse 13, it says it's for his good pleasure. And so I know that many of us struggle with this picture of God. And we, we imagine our heavenly father who who is there and he's just in heaven wagging his finger at us and he's just annoyed and exasperated and angry with us and he just can't wait for us to go to bed like just get out of here i'm tired of you for the day you know we have to really be careful to not impose our characteristics onto him because we and i'm speaking to those who are parents we are finite we are sinful we are people who struggle so much but while we are that way our God is patient. Our God is kind. He is a kind, kind father who loves us. And you know what? The scriptures tell us that he takes pleasure in our growth. He is working He is working on our salvation and he's transforming us for his good pleasure. He, he, he enjoys seeing us grow. He is enjoying us, watching us become the people he's designed us to be. This is so crucial because... So many of us struggle with sanctification and it becomes this thing where we're like, God is just, he's just whipping me into shape and it hurts so much and he's mad at me and he's just angry with me. It's not so. It's not true. That is a lie from the enemy. God loves you. And if he's working on you, if he is, if he is helping you to grow, if he is showing you your sin, if he is bringing you through a trial he's doing it because he loves you hebrews 12 6 go up and read that after this is done but he 
it reminds us again in that passage that he disciplines those that he loves. And the fact of the matter is that he loves us and he sanctifies us because he loves us and he takes great pleasure in working in our hearts. And so that is a really important piece to take away. Sanctification is for God and it's by God. He does it for him and for us. So that's point number two. Sanctification is attached to our justification. That's one. Two, sanctification is by God and for God. Number three, sanctification requires our cooperation and our obedience. And so let's look at verse 12b. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Yes, it is God who sanctifies us. His spirit changes our affections and empowers us to obey him. However, we are called to action. We are also forced to reconcile the parts of the Bible that also call us to work out our faith. Not like I said before, not to work for our salvation. That part is secure. But we are called to obedience. We are called to work out our salvation. Or another way to put it is we are called to work out of our salvation. Out of our salvation, we are able to work. We are able to serve him and follow him. And so I wanted to just look at three verses that kind of uh, collaborate with this passage here in Philippians. The first one is Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10. And it says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. I love some of the words he uses here. Look at, he, he tells us to be diligent. Be all the more diligent. He also calls us to confirm our calling. Not wonder day and night if we belong to God, but to, to continually to ask ourselves, what does it look like to follow Jesus? What does a, a Christ follower look like? Is my life lining up with what he's called me to do? And then he tells us at the second half, practice these qualities. If you practice these qualities, you will never fail. He calls us to practice. And so diligence, confirmation, practice, I tie all those three words up with the word responsibility. He says, take responsibility for your faith. Take ownership of your faith. Follow Jesus. That is a, a thing that you have to do. The second section is, or verse is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. It says, very simply, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul calls his Christian walk a fight and a race. And he says, by fighting and racing, he has kept the faith. And I think another verse that really kind of comes behind that verse is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. And it says this, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. And so we see here this great picture of cooperation we see Paul remind us that he worked harder than any than any of the other apostles. But then what does he say? Yet what? He says, yet not I, but the grace of God in me. If we look back to verse 13 of Philippians chapter 2, just after it tells us to work out our salvation in fear and trembling, it says the reason we can do this, it says, for it is God who works in you. 
you can change the word for to because. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling because it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He is working in the midst of our cooperation. It is he who gives us the passion and the zeal and the desire to read his word. We make the decision to get into his word. We read his word. His word sanctifies us. It changes our hearts, which then begets more desire to read. And so it's kind of like this dance that we're doing with God. He gives us the desire. We obey that desire. We reap the benefits of obeying him. And then that changes our heart, which then gives us more desire and and so on, so on and so forth, because um, we're both required to participate. Um, there's so much more I could say about that, but we are called to cooperate. As I talk about this stuff, I, I, I consider that there may be people out there who are thinking, wow, isn't that just like self-help? Are you just telling uh, me to, just to do better, to try harder? In a sense, there is an, a part of it, a part of this Christian walk that involves effort and doing. But it, it, there are four ways, I think, that the call of sanctification is different than self-help philosophy. There's four, I think, at least four different ways that they're different. They're not the same. They are the complete opposite. The call to work out our salvation in fear and trembling is not the same as try harder. The world says try harder, but we in Christ have a different perspective. And so I just want to give you four quick points here. The first one is that self-help philosophy is devoid of God. And so everything about self-help philosophy removes God. It tells us that our problems can be easily solved. It teaches us that we need to move forward without God. It tells us to, to look inside as our source of strength. It tells us to look out in the world for our source of inspiration um, and compare that. So on the other hand, you have sanctification and you have uh, walking with Jesus, which tells us that our sanctification is controlled by God. Before we became believers, we were devoid of God in our lives. And so because of Jesus, we've, made, we've been made right with God and is he who sustains us. And so the difference between self-help philosophy and sanctification is that it is completely powered by God. Self-help philosophy is powerless. It doesn't involve God. God is erased from it. And that's the main difference. There's no God in self-help philosophy. The second one is that self-help philosophy idolizes self. So in self-help philosophy, the main motivation behind self-help is so that we as humans may experience self-realization and becoming the best version of ourselves. However, if we look at Philippians 2, it reminds us that our sanctification is not rooted in our pleasure. It's not merely rooted in our desire to become better people for our own pleasure, but it is rooted in God's pleasure. We are being transformed in the image of Jesus Christ for God's pleasure and for God's glory. That's the difference. Um, it's not just for us. It's for him as well. The third thing is that self-help is rooted in fear, a sinful type of fear. So whether it's a fear of decay, of dying, of being unhealthy, fear of isolation, self-help philosophy motivates us by preying on our greatest fears in life. On the flip side, biblical sanctification reminds us to work out our salvation in fear and trembling, which is not a sinful form of fear, but a godly form of fear, which means that we have 
divine reverence and respect for God. And we have the submission to God. And through that submission, he is able to help us and is able to successfully work on our hearts and expand our love for him. It's he who does that. Uh, and we get there by submitting to him, not submitting to the fears of the world and our insecurities, but submitting to him out of respect and love for his holiness. So that's the third one. And then the fourth one is that self-help philosophy leans on tools that are devoid of God. So not only is it conceptually devoid of God, but it is also all of the tools. So self-help philosophy is rooted in the flesh. And like I said before, it forces us to look inside for our source of strength. It forces us to look at other people as our source of inspiration. On the flip side, sanctification is rooted in God's, in God's tools to help us to work out our salvation. So we look at his tools, the ways that he, he sanctifies us. Those are his tools that he's given to us. So we are reminded that we are sanctified in his truth. Biblical transformation is empowered by him. Uh, we are reproved by his discipline. Once again, that's a tool that's full of God, empowered by God, given to us by God. We are held accountable by his people. Once again, it involves other sanctified people in your life helping you to grow. It's not devoid of God at all. These are all things that are not found within ourselves, but are outside of ourselves. And they're gifts from God. Gifts that he gives to you and he gives to me and he gives to anybody who trusts in Jesus. He gives us those gifts that, so that we can grow in our faith. And so if we look at those four ways that self-help philosophy is different than sanctification, we will see that it is not merely trying harder. It is, it is about working out our salvation in fear and trembling. It is about submitting to God. It is about looking to him, not just for wisdom about how, but looking to him for power and it is about being motivated by bringing glory to him. It is the complete opposite of, um, of what we see in the world. And so, yes, try, work, put your hands to things, develop healthy rhythms in your life, develop healthy habits in your life that are going to maximize those tools for your growth. But always remember that you can never do it by yourself. They're not for you to do by yourself ultimately we need God to change you know ever since Adam and Eve uh, man has taken it upon himself to change um, but today we praise God because Jesus provided for us Jesus has not left us in our mess those are the three points on sanctification you know uh, th this is uh, it requires way more than half an hour uh, but I pray that this primer was helpful for you. I also pray that uh, the time of discussion that we're going to have together will help us to understand more deeply how God is transforming us. And I hope that in our groups, we'll also be able to come up with some meaningful strategies that we can employ to better cooperate with God's work in our heart. I hope that that time is, is meaningful for us. You know, after this video is done, I want you to go ahead and check out the discussion questions that we put together. I want you to take about 20 minutes or so, go through those questions, take some notes, write them down, get ready for the time of discussion because on Sunday, I'm going to want you to join one of our Zoom calls. Get together with your fellow believers or maybe maybe you're not a Christian yet, but just get together with some people who are eager to discuss these things. And I pray that if you do end up joining one of our Zoom calls, that the time will be fruitful for you, that you'll be encouraged, 
and that you will be um, you'll be uplifted in this time as as in a really hard season that has been really hard for all of us. So have a good day. I love you. If you ever have any questions, feel free to email me uh, info at fellowshiposhawa.com. Email us. I should say all of the elders will be able to see that. Uh, we would love to help you. We would love to walk with you. And uh, God bless you. Have a good one.